listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Alright, so today we are going to be jumping right into it. As I am recording this on the Wednesday, it is March 18th. That just happens to be the day Harvey Bennett Sr. let in. A monumental goal, and I know everyone sitting here is going, who the fuck is Harvey Bennett Sr.? Well, Harvey Bennett Sr. was the goalie who let in Maurice Richard's 50th goal in his 50th game to become the first player to score 50 goals in a season. Now, that was in 1944 to the 1944-1945 NHL season, and this was an absolutely monumental achievement in hockey at the time the NHL season was only 50 games long it was the Rockets second full NHL season he scored 50 goals and he was the first to ever do it um I believe Gordie Howe would go on to do it like the next season or something like that um Richard finished with um 73 points 50 goals 23 assists second in the league playing on a line that had the top three point getters in the NHL, they averaged 4.4 points per game. That was, um, I think it was like Toe Blake and Elmer Lack. I think Elmer Lack finished first, if I'm correct. But anyway, this is, you know, an absolutely monumental day in hockey history. And me and Benders actually talked about it a while ago, but marking down just how historic and monumental. Maurice Richard was to the Montreal Canadiens. This guy represented an entire generation of Quebecers. He represented more than just hockey. He was such a big political icon. Um, And I believe just a few days ago was also the anniversary. I'm thinking maybe two days ago was the anniversary of me recording this. It was the anniversary of the riots of Maurice Richard. So that's why I was thinking about it and I wanted to talk about it. Um... An incredible story, actually. Um, me and Benders were talking about iconic hockey movies, and we brought up The Rocket on last the last episode on Monday. And I've actually been um, looking it up online, trying to find a copy of it. So if anyone has watched it or seen it, or just knows where I can watch it, could you please let me know on Twitter, at HabsNightly. I am dying to watch this film. Um, I've been researching him, and The Rocket seemed to have such an interesting life. It was such an important period of time, not only for you know Francophone Canadians, but also Anglophones, just the entire country. Um, his presence was felt, his mystique, his grandeur, his legend, and I just think it's something that you know maybe modern Habs fans or newer Habs fans don't really get to appreciate as much. I myself would consider myself a newer Habs fan. I'm not that old, but you know, I never got to bask in that greatness, and I'm sure there are many Habs fans live and die by Maurice Richard, and I'm just finally starting to grasp how amazing this dude actually was. Moving on from that, though, um, I just thought that was an interesting hockey fact. Um, kind of a nice coincidence but I actually have hockey stuff to talk about so I'm fucking excited and we're gonna do that so 
as per um, Pierre LeBron and a bunch of other sources, it, it's confirmed now that um, Cole Caulfield will be staying with Wisconsin for another year. And we did see that Mark Bergevin had kind of been pushing this. He wanted Cole Caulfield to stay for his development, which is very understandable. Like, clearly Montreal didn't feel he was ready. They thought he could use another year. And if that's what the team thinks, then I think that's probably best for his development. I personally kind of agree. Caulfield is a smaller player. Um, he's going to be... Re- He's, you know, going to have to learn how to play more defensively. That's just the way the NHL works, even though not I don't for a second think Caulfield is going to be a defensive specialist. He's going to score goals. Um, I don't know. I just think that extra year of his development won't hurt him. He's going to be coming to a really shit Montreal team, so maybe give it another year for Montreal to start going, getting better, and it could really play dividends for him. But we did see um, two of his teammates, I think it well, I know one of them was Alex Turcotte. I think the other was um, Miller. I believe it was Miller. Um, anyway, not, not as important, not as big name. But two of his teammates did sign contracts. Alex Turcotte drafted with Cole Caulfield. Fifth overall by the LA Kings. Um, really hyped prospect. Also played with him on the U.S. development program. Very, very good player. Center with supposedly a lot of upside. Um, he actually only had, I say only, uh, 26 points in 29 games for the University of Wisconsin. Um, finishing, I believe, third overall in team scoring. He finished third overall in team scoring, 26 points in 29 games, not bad at all, nothing to sneeze at, Um, was injured for a few games obviously, did kind of underperform with Cole Caulfield at the World Juniors, kind of underperformed, well the whole team underperformed at Wisconsin just as a whole, Um, Cole Caulfield as we know led the way with 36 points, 36 games played. Personally, I believe Alex Turcotte could, you know, benefit from another season with Cole Caulfield, but clearly L.A. and himself thought otherwise, so they were gone. Um, Wisconsin was historically bad this year in the Big Ten and just in the NCAA in general, so Cole Caulfield is going to be returning to a very, very bad team, and a lot of people have been complaining about this, like, why would he return to such a horrible team? But I think, in a way, this could almost benefit him. Um, the team's second leading scorer was a defenseman named Wyatt Kalniuk. Um, 28 points, 36 games. He's a junior. I do believe he is returning for another season. And Wyatt Kalniuk is a seventh, I believe, seventh round draft pick of the Philadelphia Flyers. So also NHL bound, he will be, st- well, maybe not NHL bound, but an NHL prospect will remain with the team next season so that he's not going to be alone there. He is going to have some quality players to play with. But if anything, I think this is going to help Cole Caulfield. I think he's going to be the guy, not that he wasn't already, but he's he going to be even more leaned on. I think he's going to score a shit ton of goals. I think he's going to be well over a point per game. And I think this will only help him develop into a star player. You know, getting used to being the star. Um, He was, you know, monumental, destroyed scoring records 
with the U.S. Men's Development Program, but however, he was overlooked by guys like Jack Hughes and Alex Turcotte on that team. I think they, for the Montreal Canadiens, I think they do envision him being kind of a star player, definitely a star goal scorer. So I think getting used to that role, kind of like what we're seeing with Cockneyemi when they put him down in the AHL before he got injured, where he was developing being the into being the guy. I think we could see that with Cole Caulfield with Wisconsin this year or next year. So I do think if anything, it's only going to help his development. I don't think it's going to hurt it no matter what. So I think this is a great call by him and his agent and Mark Bergevin. Just a, the right way to go. I don't think you can mess it up going. I don't think taking an extra year is going to stunt your development. I do think rushing into the NHL can, and we have seen that with a lot of players in the past. Even with very, very high-level, very talented, high-ceiling players. You know, that's what happened in Edmonton. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Neil Yakupov, they they were both... Okay, Nugent-Hopkins is doing okay now, but he's not what he could have been. We know what happened with Neil Yakupov. Um, their growth got stunted by being rushed into the NHL too quickly, and it's a shame, and I'm glad that Montreal is not going to do that, and they're not going to take that risk with Cole Caulfield. When you draft a player in the first round... Um, especially when you take a risk on a player. Although I do think Montreal didn't really reach for Cole Caulfield. I think where he fell, he did fall. But anyway, getting to my point, when you draft a player in the first round, any player you draft, you know, you're making an investment. And that player can totally grow and become a huge part of your franchise. So it's important that Montreal, you know, monitors their investments and makes sure that we nurture them and let them grow into the best that they could be, really maximize their potential. And, you know, Trevor Timmons, Mark Bergevin, the whole scouting staff has gotten a lot of hate for when they were, you know, drafting tall, big players like Mike McCarron, that period in which Montreal wasn't really getting a lot of drafted players from their farm system coming up and helping the roster. That hurt Montreal a lot, and we're still seeing a lot of the scarring from that in the current roster. However, I do think that people rushing to say fire Timmons and all this are mistaken and misguided in that because, yes, Timmons, I, I'm not going to say him and Bergeron and Timmons fucked up, but Timmons was kind of pigeonholed into these are the players we want you to draft. And once that, you know, restriction has been taken off him and Mark Bergman has decided to go another way, Montreal has drafted some really, really good players. I don't think anyone, you know, saw or thought Romanoff would turn into what he's been. Caden Primo was a seventh round draft pick and I have been talking and many people have been talking about him possibly being our next franchise goalie. Maybe not franchise in the way since the Carey Price was, but, you know, the goalie of the future in Montreal. Um, Guys like Jesse Ulonen, who we're hearing a lot about now, could turn out to be a great player. Um, Not only the fact that he's going to be skilled and he's going to, you know, hopefully pan out in the NHL, but they were conscious in drafting him and the fact that he's played with Kakinyemi. Um, There's chemistry there. They played together in World Juniors. Stuff like that, I just think this scouting staff has done a really good job of. They seem to love Finland, I've noticed. They're drafting a lot of players from Finnish, Finnish-born players, Finnish nationals. So that's interesting. Um, Montreal has not been afraid 
to really go into the Scandinavian countries and draft, you notice that a lot of our prospects, um, Jelonen, Joni Aikinen, Matthias Norlander, Jacob Olafsson, they're Swedish or they're Swedish or they're Finns, and I just think it's great that Montreal is broadening their horizons and really scouting in depth into a lot of these leagues because as the NHL progresses, as we move further into the future, even more into the 2020s now, more and more of these players are coming from those regions. They're coming from Sweden. They're coming from Finland. They're coming from Germany, Russia. And this, while this is not a new development, the Finns have an insane junior program and we're seeing guys like Tim Stuchel, Leon Dreisaitl was the first one. Um, Moritz Sider um, was just uh, Detroit reached really high in last draft to draft him. Um, Tim Stutzel, I already mentioned. Um, we're seeing these German board players, Finns, Swedes, really start to dominate the league. And we even see it with current players like Patrick Laine. I mentioned Dreisaitl. Rasmus Dahlin recently entered the league and is. You know, they're saying he's going to be the next great defenseman. All these guys, we're seeing less and less majority Canadians dominate the NHL. And especially with a team like Montreal that historically has put a lot of pride into drafting and only wanting to draft, you know, Quebec francophone Canadians. I love that Mark Bergevin and the scouting staff has taken this approach that they're going to look anywhere for talent and if the talent is there, if they believe there's potential, they're not going to worry about where they're from. They're going to draft them. And I think the best example of this is Romanov. Montreal has put a lot of eggs into the basket of someone who could potentially stay in the KHL, stay home. It doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore. But that was a big risk for Montreal to just, you know, draft him as high as they did. It paid out very well. Um, I think this the scouting staff and this, you know, Mark Bergman, the the management team does der- deserve a lot of credit for totally restocking the cupboards, getting Montreal, what I believe it was Craig Button rated as the second best prospect pool in the NHL. I know the Athletic did rate Montreal as the second best after LA. I think they deserve a lot of praise for that and the future is only going to look bright because of it. Now, I know some of you might hate to hear it, but this is kind of a Mark Bergevin loving episode. But before we move on to more of that, quick introduction and word from our sponsor at Manscaped. So this episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below the belt grooming, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. I get teased a lot on the network for being quote, the kid. But trust me, I've used Manscaped's products, and they have me feeling like a man. You can use them too using the promo code THPN for 20% off their new product with free shipping at manscaped.com. Unless, of course, you don't want to be part of the millions of pairs of balls that are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's skin-safe technology. So, moving on from that... Because we have to talk about it as much as I hate talking about it, the coronavirus is a thing and it is impacting the world as we know it, obviously. Um, you can't avoid corona talk anywhere you go. 
people are talking about the coronavirus, fear, how to fight fight it, all this other shit, and we've talked about it on this podcast, and I'm not here to fear monger anymore. I'm here to share some happy, bright news, put some, you know, positivity back into the world. Well, the Montreal Canadiens announced that they are donating 13,000, I think it was 13,000 pounds of food that they were going to use for their home games, which were canceled, and donate that to the general public and charities and all this other stuff. And what a classy move from Jeff Molson, Mark Bergevin, just that whole management group. That is phenomenal. Um, it's nice to see owners and the 1% and the big guy taking care of the little guy once in a while. Um, I think that the Molson, Jeff Molson, Mark Bergevin realize what this fan base is. They are everything. They're who pay the checks. They're the ones who fill the Bell Center every single night for how many years, how many decades now. And it's nice to see that they're giving back to the community. The players also announced that they are giving additional support and additional funds to help the impacted employees who were going to miss, I think it's like 1,200 hours of employee labor that got canceled. So people aren't going to miss out on their pay because the Molson family and the players are going to be helping them. And I just think this is terrific. Obviously, um, Kevin Love in the NBA really set the trend for this. But it's nice to see that, you know, they're taking care of the fans. They're taking care of not only the fans, but just the people of Montreal, the people of Canada. And I think it's really important that in this time of crisis, in this time of panic, we see a little bit of positivity go back into the world. So with that said, I'm going to be leaving it there for tonight, for this episode. Um, as always, you can find me at Habs Nightly on Twitter. I would really appreciate it if you guys could just give it a quick follow. I'm really trying to grow it and really trying to make something of this Twitter account to provide you guys updates, analysis. It'll be less obviously, obviously less analysis until we get um, hockey back, and here's to hoping it's soon. But I would really appreciate that, so if you guys could check that out, that'd be great. As always, I've been Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly. Thank you for taking the time to stop by. Bye.